welcome to the American Thoracic Society's Respiratory Cell and Molecular Biology Podcast. Today, we will be interviewing Dr. Augustine Choi, Chair of Medicine at Cornell Medical School. So I'm here with Dr. Augustine Choi, uh, who's the Chairman of Medicine at Wild Cornell Medical College and Physician-in-Chief at New York uh, Presbyterian Wild Cornell Medical Center. Uh, Dr. Choi, welcome. Yes, thank you. Uh, and and so we are going to talk a little bit about uh, chronic obstructive lung disease, or COPD. And so, Dr. Choi, tell us what is new uh, in COPD research. Well, I think uh, just generally COPD research has really had exponential growth the last couple of decades, supported by NIH and other uh, non-federal and foundations. And... Um, you know, I think we've seen a disease process that um, centered on inflammation uh, primarily um, uh, in the last uh, couple of decades, um, and now uh, uh, certainly inf- inflammatory response uh, still is a critical component. But I think what we are seeing is the evolution of other processes uh, which are important, especially as it uh, uh, mediates tissue remodeling in, in, in chronic lung disease such as COPD. For example, the role of, um, you know, uh, cell death, uh, whether it's apoptotic cell death or other modes of cell death, that's becoming uh, 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 important. The role of the vasculature, that concept has been around for at least a couple, uh, at least a couple of decades, but now we have uh, more convincing experimental and hum- experimental uh, data and human data that uh, the vasculature is very important uh, in the pathogenesis of COPD. Uh, so uh, along the lines uh, further in terms of pathogenesis of COPD, autoimmunity uh, has, uh, has, been, uh, has been a highlight in, many, in some of the uh, papers that have come out in the last uh, decade or so. Uh, microbial pathogens, especially now in the era of uh, microbiota, uh, respiratory microbiota. Certainly, GI microbiota is playing a role in many lung diseases, but particularly in the last couple of years, there have been papers on respiratory microbiota, and specifically not only bacterial uh, microbiome, but uh, what is uh, a microbiome, fungal, or uh, or virome, uh, viral, uh, that needs to still be played out. Um, and in terms of um, uh, research, not just at the cellular level, but I think uh, the field is going through very critical, rigorous analysis of whether we have the optimal phenotypic data on COPD. You know, the gold classification while is still the, uh, standard uh, uh, classification, clinical classification, we all know that perhaps we can have an improved phenotypic classification, whether it is a, comp- a composite classification, uh, compassing both clinical, radiographic, and cellular. Uh, that's, I think, uh, 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 more, more to come in that arena. Then I finish off with therapeutics. Uh, you know, we don't have a therapy for COPD uh, other than symptomatic relief and some modest effect uh, uh, in modulating the pathogenesis of the disease. Uh, you know, we have the usual airway uh, bronchodilators, anti-inflammatory uh, uh, therapies uh, as in steroids um, or uh, other uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory approaches 
But uh, in the last, uh, you know, uh, 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 decade or less, uh, there's been some movements in uh, the use of re uh, tools directed at regenerative medicine in, direct, in, in, in targeting uh, COPD therapy, where there is uh, mesocarbon stem cells, which has been uh, has, has uh, started, or other stem cell therapy, cellular-based therapy, whether it's progenitor cells or uh, or cells, um, and you know there's some exciting uh, current work being done by uh, laboratories across across the world, um, and uh, so I think uh, that summarizes the excitement in both the diagnostics, the therapeutics, and uh, also the understanding of the pathogenesis of COPD, and uh, uh, you know uh, undoubtedly we'll have. Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll witness uh, the, the progress in all these areas in years to come. Uh, that's great. Um, let's tackle each of these things individually to some extent. Um, you mentioned uh, apoptosis or cell death and the vasculature. Uh, what are we starting? To, I always thought that COPD was a protease, uh, a problem with proteases uh, and antiproteases and inflammation. So what is this about apoptosis and the vasculature? Sure. Well, you know, you know, in this late 60s, early 70s, and beyond, inflammatory response and the protease, anti-protease imbalance that you mentioned, and also the pro-oxidant, antioxidant imbalance were the three major paradigms, if you will. You know, uh, those three paradigms are not uh, are not outdated. They are still very important, and it may be important in talking about cell death, uh, for example. It is very conceivable that the inflammatory response and the protease antiprotease balance may even regulate cell death. And when I say cell death, we're talking, I think, about several modes of cell death. We, we know uh, that classically necrosis is the so-called non-regulated, uh, non-programmed cell death, and apoptosis is the programmed cell death. And no doubt that both of these processes are involved in, in COPD. We now know in recent years that there's uh, uh, another mode of cell death called necroptosis, which is regulated necrosis, uh, regulated by, at this point, uh, mainly by the necrosome RIP3 uh, pathway uh, uh, and so forth. So um, I think uh, our challenge in COPD is to delineate what roles these three major cell death pathways play, does it have cell specificity? Does it make a difference if you're an epithelium or a fibroblast or immune cells that infiltrate into the lung or endothelial cells? Uh, and I haven't even mentioned other cell types, but those are the major cell types. Uh, and then going forward, uh, the sort of the spatial uh, uh, importance, is it important for proximal or distal uh, uh, part of the airway and uh, in the lung. And those are uh, areas that are still evolving and we don't have as much uh, data on that, but uh, it is uh, forthcoming uh, in the future years. So uh, in, in answer to your question, uh, cell death is one prominent area. Uh, different modes of cell death, cell specificity, you know, uh, spatial specificity, and also cross-talk I think this is important, crosstalk with other processes that haven't established, be it inflammation, protease, antiprotease, and oxidant-antioxidant balance. Great. So we'll have to figure out which cells, 
which cells are dying, how are they dying, and, and how other uh, biologic processes uh, are affecting the communication between cells to cause them to die. What about the vasculature? Well, vasculature also, there's a lot of crosstalk. Uh, so, you know, a seminal paper by Dr. Norbert Volkel, uh, I think year 2000 or so, about 15 years ago, showed that if you induce endothelial cell death by, I think he used inhibitors of the VEGF receptor signaling, uh, you induced a uh, emphysema phenotype in mouse. And subsequent to that, there's been currently now some even clinical papers using uh, radiographic, uh, advanced radiographic imaging uh, tools to show that the vasculature is affected in the pathogenesis of COPD. So uh, in terms of vasculature, there's no doubt that uh, vasculature uh, uh, is playing a role. We don't have as much data or knowledge in the arena, but it is forthcoming. Uh, and I do want to quote the work of Shaheen Rafi, who is an outstanding uh, cell, stem cell biologist. And his recent works in the last three to five years uh, as, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, uh, suggest, strongly suggest that it's the vascular endothelium that regulates the regenerative capacity of organ tissues, liver, and and in the lung, uh, uh, in terms of cross-talking with uh, epithelial cell, progenitor cell, or mesenchymal cells, or other cell types. So, you know, the vasculature is really uh, uh, becoming very important in our understanding in the pathogenesis of COPD, and will be, I think, obvious uh, targets. Uh, down the road in terms of our uh, therapeutic modalities. That's great, and that, I guess that makes sense with what we see clinically in which uh, patients have lots of uh, vascular disease, coronary disease, stroke, et cetera. Right, um, and, and that's a very good point, uh, not just in the in, uh, sort of the local lung milieu, but you just mentioned the very important comorbid comorbidities uh, of COPD, uh, you know, strokes, cardiovascular, which are all very obviously important uh, uh, in this process. So uh, not much is known. Um, for example, secondary pulmonary hypertension in COPD, we really don't have a, 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 a very uh, clear understanding uh, uh, how what the mechanism is. It's probably more than hypoxic vasoconstriction. It's probably some uh, innate uh, processes that regulate that. So, uh, again, going forward, uh, I think the vasculature will play an important role. And uh, there's now uh, laboratories that are using cell-based therapies, especially endothelial cells, in seeing, uh, in testing the hypothesis that perhaps that the uh, vasculature can play a role in the regeneration of organs such as the, as the lung. You mentioned autoimmunity. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, well, uh, that concept has been around. Uh, there's been some seminal papers, uh, in particular, uh, you know, elastin, uh, autoimmunity to elastin, uh, and the other uh, papers showing autoimmunity is important, uh, self-antigen-driven uh, process. And again, uh, we are at the surface, uh, tip of the iceberg now, and and there's uh, laboratories across the world trying to better understand whether a component of autoimmunity is an important player in the pathogenesis of COPD. And that obviously has 
very attractive uh, uh, upsides, if you will, because uh, uh, it's if indeed we can identify several biofactors uh, or uh, uh, that drive cell, uh, autoimmunity in COPD, uh, uh, you can in, you can envision uh, improved diagnostics in COPD. Uh, and also, of course, improve therapeutics uh, in COPD. Uh, Dr. Choi, you've contributed quite a bit to the field of COPD research. Can you tell me some of your work? Well, uh, we actually uh, started uh, about a decade ago, and we have, we have focused on two major areas. One is um, the role of autophagy, and I can expand on that a little bit now. Autophagy has, uh, was, was uh, discovered mainly by the yeast biologists uh, back in the uh, 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 you know, late 50s and 60s, and then the cell biologists took, uh, took over and worked with the yeast guys, and they've identified uh, very important uh, autophagy-regulated uh, genes. There are more than 30 or so in the yeast and more than a dozen in the human system, and they're very highly conserved one of the most highly conserved uh, uh, genes and proteins that we know of. And it's a self-renewal process, meaning that autophagy is a mechanism of how we, we uh, the cells, uh, get rid of damaged goods, whether it's organelles or peptides or uh, uh, and, and also uh, uh, damaged uh, proteins and so forth. Uh, and Importantly, it's not only uh, in response to stress or injury, but during normal homeostasis, because cells always, uh, you know, we have a, a, a homeostatic uh, balance where we need to turn over our organelles and proteins and peptides, even in normal physiology. And autophagy is felt to be a major player in uh, mediating that. So uh, in COPD, we have uh, uh, observed that autophagy plays an important role. And to our surprise, autophagy was mainly not a pro-survival mechanism in COPD as it has been described in yeast and other systems, but really a deleterious effect. So too much autophagy is not good for you in COPD. And since then, there's been other, paper, other labs that have uh, shown that. So we are now looking at the mechanism of how uh, too much autophagy may be deleterious in smoke-induced COPD. And we have uh, really focused on selective autophagy, meaning the, the clearance of damaged mitochondria in experimental and human COPD. And lately, we are really focused on mitophagy, the removal of abnormal or normal mitochondria of how that's playing a role in the pathogenesis of COPD. Again, just like autophagy, we have shown that too much mitophagy or too much excessive clearance of mitochondria is not a good thing for you in COPD. Um, so on top of that, we have recently published that um, if we drive, if cigarette smoke drives the lungs to to increase the mitophagic process, it also can induce cell death, particularly necroptotic cell death. And so we are trying to better understand the mechanism of that, and hopefully, uh, hopefully have some therapeutic targets down the road. So that's a major area that we are focused on: autophagy. Uh, in COPD. Uh, the second area is really human COPD, uh, this, 
the studies that I just mentioned are mostly in the mouse models. But we, but we have really spent a lot of time now trying to translate those findings in humans. And we don't have, uh, it's still work in progress, but we are now busy, very busy trying to uh, translate those findings I, I just described to you uh, in human COPD, meaning that we are looking, uh, we can detect evidence of mitophagy and mitochondrial dysfunction in the peripheral, plasma, in the peripheral blood, i.e. plasma, in COPD patients. We have uh, obtained data from not only our own cohorts that we have amassed here, but uh, we have collaborated with the spiromics team uh, and the COPD gene uh, investigators to obtain the precious human samples to uh, assess whether uh, we can translate those uh, preclinical findings to human COPD. So that's been our major focus the last four or five years. Uh, that's great, and um, we've talked a lot about the various processes from apoptosis, uh, the role of the vasculature, um, autophagy, mitophagy, and do you think that all patients have these processes occurring simultaneously? Do you think that there's a lot of heterogeneity, and how are we going to get to uh, uh, targeted or personalized treatments for patients with COPD? I mean, spot on. It's a great question. You know, fundamentally, we know that not all smokers develop cigarette smoke in this uh, emphysema. Uh, uh, depending on which papers you read or believe in, you know, most people will say a uh, majority of them don't develop emphysema. Uh, you know, 20% may develop emphysema. So why is it that, that, you know, there's a subset of smokers who develop emphysema and, sub and the majority of them don't? That's what you know, you're, you're referring to. Our challenge is to apply our understanding of the pathogenesis of COPD, uh, whether it's through genomics approach or a reductionist approach like we're doing, and uh, trying to delete the mechanism of, of the susceptibility and uh, resistant uh, uh, cigarette smoke in this uh, uh, emphysema. You know, we can, one hypothesis, hypothesis that we have is that perhaps the smokers who do not develop emphysema are somehow more resistant to mitochondrial damage uh, by cigarette smoke in contrast to uh, smokers who develop emphysema and they are more uh, susceptible to mitochondrial damage by cigarette smoke. That's one hypothesis they're working at. Uh, so um, uh, the, uh, the different cell types that you mentioned, that's very critical. Uh, as we know, the, uh, the cellular milieu in the lung is very complicated. You know, there are well, 40 to 60 cell types, but probably, you know, um, maybe a dozen of them are very important in the COPD pathogenesis, and we have to have a better understanding the cell specificity in our responses to cigarette smoke. Not just autophagic uh, response, but other response, inflammatory response, cell death response. Uh, and so forth. And in the vascular cells, endothelium, and the vascular smooth, smooth muscle cells, do they have different uh, 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 differential response to uh, parenchymal cells like the, like the lung epithelium? Those are all questions that, uh, that we are trying to address, and, and not only by our laboratory, but by other laboratories. That's great. Um, I just wanted to finish up with uh, hearing your advice uh, or hearing the advice that you would give to junior investigators and junior pulmonologists. You've had an illustrious career, 
and I was just wondering if there was some some kind of advice you'd like to give uh, to, to junior junior investigators. Sure. Listen, uh, this is a uh, really a fabulous career path if one chooses to pursue in terms of uh, you know uh, academic medicine, whether it's education or clinical or uh, uh, or research. And if one pursues a research focused uh, career, uh, I think with the approaches. Uh, that we have at our tools now, whether it's, you know, uh, and it's not so much only technology-driven, but paradigm-driven that we now have our disposal, you know, tools and approaches that we can, uh, which we can use to better dissect out the mechanisms of processes like uh, COPD that we just discussed. It's a wonderful career path, Uh, you know, uh, be persistent, Focus on discoveries. We know that the NIH pay line is somewhat modest right now, and it has been sustained for more than a decade, which is very troublesome. But there are some signs that it's getting a little better, uh, not the way it was back in the, you know, uh, 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 the Clinton era where we had doubling of the NIH budget, but it's getting a little better. So my advice uh, to young folks is stay focused. Uh, this is a great career path. And uh, it just, uh, uh, you know, finding uh, this, finding uh, new knowledge on unknown uh, areas, uh, which what discovery is all about, is always a challenge, but very fulfilling when you when you do that. So, uh, and other, uh, lastly, I would say, please work with your mentors. You know, the mentor, the mentorship is a critical component of any junior faculty career development. Uh, and uh, that's something that we all try to strive for, to find the, the best mentoring team, team around you and, uh, and uh, uh, stay at it. So, uh, and uh, lastly, I want to say that the, the junior faculty and junior investigates are the, are the pipeline and the future uh, of, of any uh, research endeavors, and we need to maintain that pipeline in lung disease. And we've had... Uh, 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 we have we have had some challenges the last decade uh, because of NIH pay line, but we need to do all we can to preserve that pipeline of junior investigators. Well, Dr. Choi, thank you so much for spending time with the ATS RCMB podcast. Uh, and My good pleasure. Luck in all, and good luck in all your future future research. Sure. Thank you so much for uh, uh, having me participate. Uh, and uh, again, I enjoyed it very much. And uh, you know, the ATS uh, is in great shape, but we need to uh, um, continue our uh, mission and vision for uh, uh, doing the best research for lung disease.